The Mystical City of God, Volume 2. The Incarnation, Introduction. 1. When I was ready to present before the throne of God the insignificant results of my labors in writing the first part of the most holy life of Mary the Mother of God, I wished to subject it to the scrutiny and correction of the divine light, by which I had been guided in my shortcomings. I was very anxious to be consoled by the renewed assurance and benign approval of the Most High, and to know whether He wished me to continue or to abandon this work, which is so far above my lowliness. The Lord responded saying, You have written well, and according to our pleasure, but we desire you to understand, that in order to manifest the mysteries and most high sacraments of the rest of the life of our only and chosen spouse, and mother of our only begotten, you have need of a new and more exalted preparation. It is our wish that you die to all that is imperfect and visible, and that you live according to the Spirit, that you renounce all the occupations and habits of an earthly creature and assume instead those of an angel, striving to attain in him a still greater purity and an entire conformity with what you are to understand and write. 2. In this answer of the Most High, I understood that such a high perfection of life and habits and such an unusual exercise of virtues was proposed and required of me, that, full of bashfulness, I became disturbed and fearful of undertaking a work so arduous and difficult for an earthly creature. I felt within myself great repugnance rising up in the flesh against the spirit. The Spirit called me with interior force, urging me to strive after the disposition, which was required of me, and advancing as argument the pleasure of the Lord and the benefits accruing to myself. On the other hand the law of sin, Romans 7:23, which I felt in my members, opposed the divine promptings and discouraged me by the fear of my own inconsistency. I felt the great distaste, which deterred me and a great cowardliness which filled me with fear. In this excitement I began to believe, that I was not capable of treating about such high things, especially as they were so foreign to the condition and estate of a woman. 3. Overcome by fears and difficulties, I resolved not to continue this work, and to use all possible means to adhere to this determination. The common enemy knew my fear and cowardice, and, as his utmost cruelty is more aroused against the weak and disheartened, he made use of this very disposition to attack me with incredible fury. It seemed to him, that I was left without help in his hands. In order to conceal his malice, he sought to transform himself into an angel of light, pretending to be very solicitous for my soul and for my welfare. Under this false pretext he treacherously deluged me with his suggestions and doubts, he represented to me the danger of damnation and frightened me with punishments similar to those of the chief of the angels, Isaiah 14 12. Since I had sought in my pride to comprehend what was above my powers and in opposition to God himself. 4. He pointed out to me many souls, who, professing virtue, were deceived by some secret presumption and by yielding to the insinuations of the devil, and he made me believe, that in so far as I sought to scrutinize the secrets of the divine majesty, Proverbs 25-27, I could not but be guilty of pride and presumption, thus being already judged. 
He urged very strongly that the present times were ill-suited for such matters and sought to confirm his assertion by what happened to some well-known persons who were found to labor under deceit and error. He reminded me of the dread of the spiritual life in others, how great would be the discredit which would arise by any mistake of mine and what evil effect it would have on those of little piety. All this I would know by experience and to my regret, if I persisted in writing about this matter. And as it is true evidently, that all the opposition to the spiritual life and the small esteem in which the mystic virtues are held, is actually caused by that mortal enemy, so, for the purpose of doing away with Christian devotion and piety in many souls. He succeeds in deceiving some and in sowing the cockle among the good seed of the Lord, Matthew 13:25. Thus he causes confusion and obscures the true sentiment concerning it, making it more difficult to distinguish the darkness from the light. I am not surprised to see him succeed therein, as the true discernment is the special work of God and of those, who participate in his true wisdom, and do not govern themselves only by earthly insight. 5. It is not easy during this mortal life to discern true prudence from the false. For often also the good intention and zeal warp the human judgment when counsel and light from on high are wanting. I had occasion to learn this in the execution of that which I am about to undertake. For some persons, well known as devout, not only those who loved me on account of their piety and desired my welfare, but also those who were less loving and considerate. All alike at one time wished to deter me from this undertaking, and also from the path which I was going, as if I was proceeding upon it by my own choice. Their fear of drawing discredit or confusion upon those who were striving after piety with me, or upon religion or my neighbors, and especially upon the convent in which I lived, caused them anxiety and to me affliction. I was much enamored by the security, which the ordinary paths of the other nuns seemed to offer, I acknowledge, that this suited more my own insight and my inclination and desires, and was urged upon me still more by my timidity and my great fears. 6. Cast about upon these impetuous waves, my heart sought to reach the port of obedience in order to reassure me in the bitter sea of my confusion. To add to my tribulation, it began to be rumored about in our order, that my spiritual father and superior, who had for many years directed my soul and who well understood my interior trials, who moreover had commanded me to write the preceding part of this history, who would most likely encourage, quiet, and console me, was suggested for removal to a higher office. The suggestion was not acted upon, but it occasioned his absence for many days, and the dragon took advantage of all this in order to pour out against me the furious river of his wrath, Revelations 13:15. Thus, though in vain, he exerted all his malice on this occasion and others, to entice me from obedience and deprive me of the guidance of my superior and master. 7. In addition to all the contradictions and temptations already mentioned, and many others not possible to describe, the demon sought to deprive me of my health, causing many aches, indispositions and disorders of the whole body. He harassed me with insurmountable sadness and conflicting thoughts. He seemed to confuse my understanding, hinder correct thinking, weaken my willpower and sift me in body and soul. 
And it happened that in the midst of this confusion I committed some faults, which were serious enough in me, although they were committed not so much in malice as from human frailty. Nevertheless the serpent sought to use them for my destruction more than any other means, for thus having interrupted the flow of good works, his fury was let loose to cause still greater faults and this embarrassment by enticing me to exaggerate my guilt. To this he drove me by impious and most insidious suggestions, seeking to persuade me, that all that I had experienced in the path which I had trodden, was false and erroneous. 8. As these insinuations on account of the faults committed and on account of my continual consternation and fears, began to appear plausible, I resisted them less than others. And it was only through the special mercies of the Lord, that I did not fall entirely from all belief and hope in a remedy. But I found myself so entangled in difficulties and surrounded by darkness, that I may say, the groanings of death encompassed me and the sorrows of hell engulfed me, Psalm 17 5, inspiring me with dread of extreme peril. I resolved to burn the manuscripts of the first part of this divine history and to desist from writing the second. The angel of Satan who inspired me with this resolution, induced me also to withdraw myself from the whole undertaking, to put an end to the pursuit of the spiritual life, to neglect my interior life, and not to communicate about it with anyone. Thus I would be able to do penance for my sins, appease the Lord, appease Him, and retain His friendship. In order to make sure of the effects of His concealed malice He proposed that I make a vow not to write any more on account of the danger of being deceived and of deceiving. That instead I amend my life, retrench my imperfections and embrace penance. 9. With this mask of seeming virtue the dragon pretended to establish his damnable counsels and cover himself with the skin of a sheep, while in reality he acted as a bloodthirsty and devouring wolf. He persevered for some time in this attack and all alone I remained for fifteen days in a night of darkness, without relief or consolation either human or divine, without the former, because I was without the help and the counsel of obedience, and without the latter, because the Lord had interrupted the flow of His favors His enlightenments and continual inspiration. Above all I was distressed by despair of salvation and in it, the persuasion, that death and the danger of my eternal damnation was approaching. All this was instigated and fostered in me by the enemy. 10. But as the aftertastes of his temptations are so bitter and end but in despair, the very disturbance, by which he upset the whole republic of my powers and acquired habits, made me more wary of fulfilling anything which he urged on me and proposed to me. He availed himself of the continual fear, which tormented me with the dread of offending God and of losing his friendship and when, in my doubts, I applied myself to works of piety he sought to draw me away. This very fear however made me hesitate at what the astute dragon had tried to convince me of and in this uncertainty I deferred giving assent to it. My high regard for obedience also, by which I had been ordered to write, and the contrariness of that which I felt in my interior, helped me to resist and to recoil at his suggestions. Above all the assistance of the Most High defended me and did not permit the beast to snatch my soul, which amid sighs and groans confessed him. I cannot describe in words the temptations, combats, 
troubles, dismays and afflictions, which I suffered in this battle, for I saw myself placed in such a state, that in my judgment there was really no greater difference between my condition and that of the damned, except that in hell there is no redemption, while in mine it was still possible. 11. One day, in order to get some respite, I cried out from the bottom of my heart saying, O woe is me, that I have come to such a state. And woe to my soul, which finds itself therein. Where shall I turn, since all the portals of my salvation are closed? Immediately a strong and sweet voice gave answer within myself. Where do you wish to go? Outside of God himself. By this answer I perceived that my cure was at hand in the Lord, and at the breaking of this dawn I began to raise myself from the depth of the confusion into which I was cast, and I felt a powerful increase in the fervor of my desires and in the acts of faith hope and charity. I debased myself in the presence of the Most High and in firm confidence in His goodness, I wept over my faults with bitter sorrow. I confessed them many times and sighing from the depth of heart, I began to seek again the former light and truth. And as the divine wisdom comes forth to meet those by whom it is invoked, Wisdom 6.17, it advanced toward me in delight and cleared away the night of my confusion and tormenting afflictions. 12. Presently that bright day broke, which I had desired so much, the quiet possession of peace returned. I enjoyed the sweet love and vision of my Lord and Master, and with it I again perceived, why I should believe, accept and esteem the benefits and favors which His mighty arm wrought in me. I gave Him thanks as far as was in my power, and I saw, who I was and who God is, that a creature by itself can do nothing, that it is nothing, because sin is nothing. I saw also what man can do when raised up and assisted by the divine right hand, being much more than can be imagined by our earthly faculties. Humbled in the perception of these truths and in the presence of the inaccessible light, which is vast and strong, without deceit or falsehood, my heart overflowed in sweet affections of love praise and thanksgiving. For now I understood, that he had guarded and defended me, so that in the confused night of temptations my lamp might not be extinguished, Proverbs 31:18. and in the depth of my gratitude I annihilated myself to the dust and humiliated myself as a worm of the earth. 13. To make this benefit more certain, I immediately heard an interior exhortation, without knowing clearly from whence it proceeded. While it severely reprehended me for my disloyalty and my wrongful ways, it at the same time admonished and enlightened, instructed and corrected me. It furnished me with a deep understanding of good and evil, of virtue and vice, of what was secure useful and beneficial, as well as their contraries. It laid open to me the way of eternity, gave me a knowledge of the means and of the end, of the value of life everlasting, and of the miserable unhappiness and the so little considered ruin of an endless perdition. 14. In the profound knowledge of these two extremes, I confess that I was dumbfounded and cast about between the fear of my dreadful infirmity and the desire of reaching the happiness, of which I was unworthy on account of my demerits. I was full of the thought of the kindness and mercy of the Most High, and the fear of losing Him. I beheld the two different ends awaiting the creatures, eternal glory and eternal misery.
It seemed a small matter to me to suffer all the pains and the torments of the world, of purgatory and hell itself, in order to attain to the one and to avoid the other. And although I perceived, that the divine help is assured to those who seek to make use of it, yet as I also saw by this light, that life and death are in our hands, Syrac 15:18, and that our weakness or malice may prevent the proper use of grace, and that the tree will lie for all eternity as it once has fallen, Ecclesiastes 11:3. on this account I was overcome by the deepest sorrow, which penetrated my heart. 15. This sorrow was increased by a most severe answer or inquiry, which came from the Lord. For while I found myself thus annihilated in the consciousness of my weakness and danger and by the thought of having offended his justice, so that I dared not raise my eyes toward him, he met my speechless sorrow by the advances of his mercy, saying to me in answer to them, Which do you wish, my soul? Which do you seek? Which of these ways will you choose? What is your resolve? This question was an arrow to my heart. For although I knew for certain that the Lord knew my desires better than I myself, the delay between the question and the answer was incredibly painful to me. I wished, if possible, that the Lord should anticipate my answer and should not show himself ignorant of the response which I would give. But impelled by great emotion, I made response in words coming from the innermost of soul, and said, Lord and omnipotent God, the path of virtue, the way of eternal life do I choose, this do I desire, and in this do thou place me, and as I do not merit it in your justice, I appeal to your mercy, and I offer for myself the infinite merits of your most holy Son and my Redeemer, Jesus Christ. 16. I was made aware, that this highest judge remembered the promise, which is given to the church, that he would grant all that is asked in the name of his only begotten, John 16:23, that in him, and on his account, my petition was granted, and its fulfillment hastened according to my poor wishes. Certain conditions were made and proposed to me by an intellectual voice, saying to me interiorly, Soul, created by the hand of the Almighty, if you wish, as one of the elect, to follow in the path of the true light and attain the position of a most chaste spouse of the Lord, who calls you, it is befitting, that you observe the laws and precepts of love. The first thing required of you is that you reject entirely all earthly inclinations, renouncing all and every affection toward the transient things, so that you have no love or affection toward any created being, no matter how useful, beautiful, or agreeable it may appear to you, cherish no created image, harbor no earthly affection. Let your will rest in no created object, except in so far as your Lord and spouse shall command you for the well-ordering of your love, or in so far as you can be aided thereby to love him alone. 17. And when, after thus reaching this perfect self-denial and renunciation of yourself, you shall have freed and disentangled yourself from all earthly things, seek the Lord, raising yourself with the swift wings of the dove toward the high habitation, in which he, in his condescension, wishes to place your spirit, so that there you may live in his presence and have a secure dwelling place, 
This great Lord is a most jealous spouse and his love and emulation are strong as death. Canticles 8.6. He wishes to adorn you and set you in a secure place, in order that you may not issue from it, or leave his presence for another, where you will not find him or enjoy his caresses. He, with whom you are to converse without mistrust, wishes to sign you with his own hand, and this is a most equitable law, which the spouses of the great king must observe, for even those in the world observe it, in order to show their faithfulness. It is due to the nobility of your spouse that you observe a behavior corresponding to the dignity and position conferred by him, without descending to anything not befitting this estate or making you unworthy of the adornment lavished upon you for entrance into his bridal chamber. 18. Next I require of you, that you despoil yourself with diligence of the vestments torn by your faults and imperfections, soiled by the effects of sin, and made odious by the inclinations of nature. His Majesty wishes to wash off the stains, to purify and renew you with his beauty, but under condition, that you never lose sight of the poor and despicable vestments of which you have been divested, so that in the memory and knowledge of this benefit, you may spread the odor of sweetness for this great king by the nard of your humility. Canticles 111 and so that you may never forget the return which you owe to the author of your salvation. Thus will he, by the precious balsam of his blood, purify you, heal your wounds and enlighten you copiously. 19. In addition to all this, in order that thus forgetting all earthly things you may be coveted by the highest king, seek to adorn yourself with the jewels which he in his pleasure has prepared for you. The vestments, which shall cover you, are to be whiter than the snow, more brilliant than the diamond, more resplendent than the sun and yet they will be at the same time so delicate, that they will easily be spoiled by any negligence, making you abominable in the sight of your spouse. But if you preserve them in the purity which he desires, your steps will be beautiful as the prince's daughter. Canticles 7.1 and his majesty will be pleased with your sentiments and your words. As a cincture of your vestment he will give you the knowledge of his divine power and his holy fear, in order that, having bound your inclinations, you may direct yourself by his pleasure. The jewels of your necklace which adorn your neck, signifying your humble submission, shall be the costly stones of faith, hope and charity. As a clasp for your hair, which are the high and exalted thoughts and your heavenly intelligences. You will have from him the infused science and wisdom, and the embroideries of your vestments shall be all the beauty and richness of the virtues. Your diligence in performing what is most perfect shall serve you as sandals, and the laces shall be the avoidance and restraints that you will use in order to keep from evil. The rings, which will beautify your fingers, shall be the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost, and the beauty of your face shall be the participation of the divinity, which on account of his holy love, shall shine therefrom. To it you shall add the coloring of confusion for having offended him, in order that it may make you ashamed of offending him in the future, comparing at the same time the coarse and sordid habits of the past with those that now adorn you. 20. 
and because your own merits would make but a poor and miserable return for such a high espousal, the Most High wishes to ratify this contract by singling out, as if for you alone, the infinite merits of your spouse Jesus Christ, and he makes you a partaker of all his possessions and treasures in the heavens and upon earth. For all belongs to this Supreme Lord, Esther chapter 1311. And of all this you shall be mistress as his spouse for your own use and for the greater love of him. But remember soul, that in order to obtain such a gift, you must hide all this within yourself, without ever losing your secret. For I warn you of the danger of soiling your beauty with the least imperfection. But if at any time you commit such an imperfection out of weakness, rise from it at once, like a strong one, and acknowledging it, weep over the small fault as if it had been the most grievous. 21. And in order that you may have a dwelling place and habitation befitting such a great estate, your spouse does not wish to set upon you any limit, but it is his pleasure that you dwell in the infinite regions of his divinity and that you roam about and amuse yourself through the illimitable fields of his attributes and perfections where the view of the intellect is without restraint, where the will is delighted without shadow of misgiving, and where the inclinations are satiated without bitterness. This is the paradise always delightful, where the most beloved brides of Christ find their recreation, where they gather the fragrant flowers and myrrh, and where the infinite is found for those that have renounced the imperfect nothing. There your habitation will be secure, and in order that your intercourse and companionship may be in correspondence with it, I desire that you converse with the angels, holding them as friends and companions, and through their frequent conversations and intercourse with you, copying from them their virtues by faithful imitation. 22. Take notice, O soul, of the greatness of this benefit. For the mother of your spouse and the queen of heaven adopts you anew for her daughter, receives you as her disciple, and assumes the place of a mother and of a teacher toward you. Through her intercession do you receive those special favors and they are all granted to you that you may write her most holy life. On this account you have been pardoned without your merit, and that, which otherwise you would not have reached, has been conceded to you. What would become of you, O soul, if it were not for the mother of mercy? you would already have perished, if her intercession had failed you. Poor and useless would have been your works, if by divine condescension, you had not been selected to write this history. But the Eternal Father chose you for his daughter, in view of this work, and for a spouse of his only begotten Son. And the Son received you to his close embraces, and the Holy Spirit selected you for his enlightenments. The document of this contract and espousal is written and imprinted on the white parchment of the purity of Most Holy Mary. There the finger and the power of the Most High have written it. The ink is the blood of the Lamb. The executor is the Eternal Father. The tie which binds you to Christ is the Holy Spirit. The bondsmen are the merits of the same Jesus Christ and of his mother, for you are but a vile worm having nothing to offer and being expected to give merely your free consent. 23. 
The admonishing voice which I heard, I judged to be that of an angel, yet whether it was or not, I could not ascertain clearly, for I did not perceive it in the same way as at other times. Such manifestations and disclosures accommodate themselves to the dispositions of the soul at the time of their reception, as for instance it happened to the disciples at Emmaus, Luke 24:16. Many other experiences I had in order to overcome the opposition of the serpent against the writing of this history, but it would draw out this introduction too much to mention them now. I continued my prayers for some days, asking the Lord to govern and direct me in order not to make a mistake, and representing to Him my incapacity and timidity. His Majesty persisted in exhorting me to ordain my life toward all purity and the greatest perfection, and in urging me to continue in it after having begun. And especially the Queen of the Angels announced her will to Mel many times, and with great sweetness and tenderness commanded me to obey her as her daughter and write her most holy life, which I had commenced. 24. To all this I wish to add the security of obedience. Without saying anything of that, which I had heard from the Lord and from His Most Holy Mother, I asked my confessor and superior what he would direct me to do in this matter. He answered by commanding me under obedience to continue, and to write the second part of this history. Finding myself thus compelled both by the Lord and by obedience, I returned again to the presence of the Most High, where I found myself one day in prayer, and renouncing my whole self and recognizing my insignificance and liability to error, I prostrated myself before His Majesty and said, My Lord, my Lord, what do you wish to do with me? Whereupon I received the following intelligence. 25. It seemed to me, that the divine light of the Blessed Trinity showed me myself, full of poverty and defects, and severely reprehending me for them, yet furnished me at the same time with the highest doctrine and salutary directions for a perfect life, and for this purpose God purified and enlightened me anew. I became aware that the Mother of Grace, Most Holy Mary, standing before the throne of the Divinity, was interceding and pleading for me. With such assistance my confidence took new life and profiting by the clemency of such a mother, I addressed myself to her and spoke to her only these words, My lady and my refuge consider, as a true mother, the poverty of thy slave. It seemed to me as if she heard my prayer and speaking with the Most High, she said, My Lord, I wish to receive this useless and poor creature anew, as a daughter, and adopt her as my own. Truly this was the act of a most liberal and mighty queen. But the Most High answered, My spouse, for such a great favor as this, what does this soul bring in return? She does not deserve it, being a useless and destitute worm, and thankless for our gifts. 26. O wonderful power of the divine word! How shall I describe the effects produced in me by this answer of the All-Powerful? I humbled myself to the depth of my nothingness and I was filled with the knowledge of the misery of creatures and of my own ingratitude toward God. My heart sank within me in sorrow for my sins and in the desire of obtaining the unmerited happiness of being the child of that Sovereign. I raised my eyes full of dread to the throne of the Most High and my visage was transported in fear and hope 
I turned toward my advocate, and desiring to be admitted as her slave, since I did not merit the title of daughter, I spoke from the bottom of my heart without forming any words. And I heard the great lady say to the Lord, Divine Lord and my God, it is true, this poor creature has nothing to offer to thy justice, but I offer for her the merits and the blood, which my most holy son poured out for her. And with it, I present also the dignity of mother of thy only begotten Son, which I received from thy ineffable kindness. All the works which I performed in thy service in having borne him in my womb, and nourished him with the milk of my breast, and above all I offer thee thy own bounty and divinity, I earnestly entreat thee to consider this creature as my adopted daughter and disciple for whom I will stand security. Under my guidance she will amend her faults and perform her works according to thy pleasure. 28. The Most High, may he be eternally praised for hearing the petition of the great queen interceding for the least of his creatures, yielded to these prayers, and immediately in the joy of my soul I felt immense effects, which are impossible to describe. With my whole heart I turned toward all the creatures of heaven and earth, and not being able to contain my exaltation, I invited them to exalt for me and with me the author of grace. It seemed to me that I addressed them in the following words, O ye inhabitants and courtiers of heaven and all ye living creatures, formed by the hand of the Most High, behold this marvel of his liberality and mercy and bless and exalt him for all eternity since he has raised from the dust the most vile of the universe and has enriched the most destitute, he has honored the most unworthy, though he is the highest God and the powerful King. And since you sons of Adam here see the poorest orphan relieved, the greatest sinner pardoned, issue forth from your ignorance, raise yourself from your listlessness and renew your hope, for if his powerful arm has assisted me, if he has called and forgiven me, all of you can hope for your salvation. And if you wish to assure yourselves of it, seek, seek the protection of the Most Holy Mary, ask her for her intercession, and you will find her to be the mother of ineffable mercy and clemency. 29. I turned also to this most exalted queen and said to her, O my lady, now I do not call myself an orphan, since I have a mother and a mother, who is the queen of all creation. I shall not any more be ignorant, since I have as teacher the mistress of divine wisdom, not poor, since I have as Lord him who is master of all the treasures of heaven and earth, I have a mother, who protects me, an instructress, who teaches and corrects me, a mistress, who commands and governs me. Blessed art thou amongst all women, wonderful among all creatures, admirable in heaven and on earth, and let all confess thy greatness with eternal praises. Since it is not easy or possible for the least among creatures, the lowest worm of the earth to give thee any return, receive it then from the divine right hand and in the divine vision, where thou stands in the presence of God enjoying yourself through all eternity, I shall remain thy acknowledged and bounden slave, praising the Almighty as long as my life shall last, since his liberal mercy has so favored me as to give me my queen as my mother and teacher. Let my loving muteness praise thee, since my tongue has not words or terms adequate for doing it, for all of them are strained and limited. 30. 
It is not possible to describe what the soul feels during such mysterious favors. They were the source of great good to my soul, for immediately I was made aware of a perfection of life, and of works for which I failed to find terms. All this, the Most High told me, was given to me on account of the Most Holy Mary and in order to write her life. It was revealed to me that by ratifying this blessing, the Eternal Father chose me to manifest the sacraments of His Daughter, that the Holy Spirit poured out His light and inspirations that one might declare the hidden gifts of His Spouse, and that the Most Holy Son appointed me to manifest the mysteries of His Most Pure Mother Mary. And in order that I might become capable of this work, the Holy Trinity enlightened and bathed my soul in a special light of the divinity and the divine power touched up my faculties as with a pencil, furnishing them with new habits for the perfect execution of this work. 31. The Most High also commanded me to strive to imitate with all my heart, according to my weak powers, all that I should understand and write about the heroic virtues and the most holy operations of the Heavenly Queen, guiding my life according to her example. Knowing how unfit I am for the fulfillment of this obligation, the same most kind Queen offered to me anew her favor, help and instruction for all that the Lord commanded and pointed out to me. Then I ask for the blessing of the Most Holy Trinity in order to begin the second part of this heavenly history. I felt that all three persons of the Godhead conferred their blessing upon me. Issuing from the trance, I sought to wash my soul in the sacraments and full of contrition for my sins, in the name of the Lord and of obedience, I set myself about this work for the glory of the Most High and for His Most Holy Mother, the ever-immaculate Virgin Mary. 32. This second part comprises the life of the Queen of the Angels from the mystery of the Incarnation to the Ascension of Christ our Lord into Heaven, which is the principal and the most important part of this history, for it includes the whole life and mysteries of the Lord Himself with His Passion and Most Holy Death. I wish only to remark here, that the graces and blessings conceded to Most Holy Mary in preparation for the Incarnation, began to flow from the moment of her Immaculate Conception. Already at that time, in the intention and the decree of God, she was the Mother of the Word. But in the measure as the realization of the Incarnation drew nigh, the favors and gifts of grace continued to increase. Although they seem to be all of the same kind in nature from the beginning, yet they continue to augment and increase, and there are no terms new and varied enough to equal in their significance these increases and advances in the blessings conferred. Thus it becomes necessary in this narrative to measure all by the infinite power of the Lord, who, giving much, retains enough to give infinitely more, while the capacity of each soul, and especially the soul of the Queen of Heaven, is in its way infinite, being able to receive ever more and more. And this happened with the soul of Holy Mary, until she arrived at a summit of holiness and participation of the divinity, to which no other creature has attained nor will ever attain in all eternity. May the Lord Himself enlighten me, that I may follow up this work according to His divine pleasure. Amen.